Welcome to the Working Mama podcast, a show that provides real-world tips, tricks, and advice to all working mamas on how they can have a career, family, and hopefully one day break the glass ceiling. Hey, hey, mama. Welcome back to another episode of the Working Mama podcast. I'm recording this the week before Mother's Day. So if if you have children in the lead up to Mother's Day, I hope you have a great Sunday Mother's Day that you get spoilt. You maybe get some time for self-care and also time for yourself and I'm actually going to be doing the Mother's Day Classic in Melbourne, uh, going for an 8K run actually on my own, which is probably one of my highlights. I do love to go for a run. If, if you follow me on Instagram, you um, you may have seen that. Uh, but yeah, going with the family. So if you've got Mother's Day coming up or if you've just listening to this after Mother's Day, I hope you've had a great day. This episode is also brought to you by the Working Mama Village, a community network and resource to support you in the juggle of being a mum and also pursuing a career so you can thrive. Now, today's episode is another solo episode and it comes off the back of asking a couple of questions on my Instagram stories recently about what are your challenges? What are some of the biggest things that your hurdles at the moment? I've listened. And so what I would like to do today is actually unpack and actually go through the mental load a little bit. I look back on some of my uh, podcast history, and I think this is going to be like a podcast 95 or 96. And when did I last talk about the mental load? And it's been quite a while. So I thought, you know what? I'm actually going to do, I've actually done a little bit of research for this with some statistics and I'm just going to unpack it. But I would like to premise this whole episode and actually say that the mental load is going to be different for everyone. What I you know, personally take on and what I will accept and that's a bit of probably into the mental load as well, it's going to be different for you and it's going to be different for the next person. But what I really wanted to go through this episode was not about this is what you need to do for the mental load, but more about actually unpacking it a little bit. And I hope at the end that you also feel like you're not alone, but also you've maybe got some tools and tips and strategies along the way because just like anything of being a working mum, it's about how you make it work for you. And so that's just like with the mental load, Uh, you know, way that between my husband and I, we juggle things and it's definitely a juggle and it changes day by day. It's going to be different. And so, and it, but even for us, it changes literally day by day. Like yesterday morning, I was in the office, I got a call from my husband and he said, "Uh, I've had a scheduling conflict, didn't realize that I've got a networking event tonight and he was supposed to be on dinner duty, I'd bought the mince and the meat to make for him to make spaghetti bowls because he's great at it, it was even in our wedding bows and you know what, it had to just be completely turned on its head and then instantly we're like, right, what's in the freezer, what do we cook and things like that. And then, mind you, he was very good and and got out some lasagna and and put it in the oven. So when I walked home, um, got in the door with the two boys, 
dinner was practically ready. So I was very happy. But, you know, just even mentally, I was like, okay, I need to leave at work a little bit earlier because I need to get home, get dinner on and, and, and things like that, but also get the kids kids uh, picked up from childcare. It definitely changed my, changed my mental load and my perception and outlook for the day. So yes, things can change literally minute by minute. And I think also from the home front, the more that we can also start having the conversation about the mental load at home, this also then has a flow on effect to the workplace. And I'm a believer and the more I think about this, the more I'm really attuned to it, that the more that we can get, you know, gender equality and have, you know, the sharing, I wouldn't even necessarily say it's always sharing, but that understanding of of tasks and and non-gendered tasks at home, that this also then has a massive flow on effect into the workplace. And it really demystifies it because say, for example, a father has uh, caring arrangements, pick up kids from childcare, they're going to be leaving the office so they can then do that uh, if they're working from the office. So therefore, that's then going to have a perception. So it's really showing then in the workplace, oh, this father is going to go pick up his kids and also then giving them that level of acceptance. Oh, if they're a father, maybe so can I. And where does that start? By actually the father leaving uh, to be able to go pick up the children. It all starts from a conversation at home about who's going to be picking up the children that day from say after school care or childcare or, or wherever. So that's where I see that, you know, gender equality, the gender pay gap is really entrenched as well and really interwined into the uh, mental load. And so what is the mental load? We hear all about it and it's been spoken about so many different times. So the way that I'm going to refer to it today is defining the mental load as the combination of two types of work or labor, cognitive labor and emotional labor. Now, Leah Rupanana, who is the associate professor in sociology and co-director at the Policy Lab at the University of Melbourne, refers to it as the cognitive aspect is the mental load that involves the scheduling, the planning, the organizing required to support the smooth operating of families. This type of work ranges from organizing a play date to planning dinner, and I guess everything in between. We argue that this cognitive work becomes a load or a mental load when it has an emotional element. For example, there is a worry or a stress attached to each of these tasks. And I'm sure it's definitely very easy to relate that it definitely has, you know, stress of, uh, of planning a what's for dinner because we all know the children don't always enjoy what we've dished up and they may have eaten it the last 10 times, but tonight they've decided, no, nah, they're not going to eat it. And that comes with stress and definitely emotion with it as well. So that's where the mental load definitely plays its part. So throughout today um, and this podcast, I'd also like you to think about the concept of the minimum viable task. What are the minimum viable tasks that you need to do for your household to function? This might be, you know, as a minimum, make sure the children are fed, bathed, clothed. 
that the nappy changes have been uh, taken care of, that the night wakes are managed, that um, lunches are made between maybe your husband and yourself, you know, the rubbish is put out. There is, oh, you know, even washing's been done, the dishwasher's been turned on. There's probably a minimum level of function that needs to happen across your house. And anything over and above that probably then depends between yourself and your partner about how you like to run the house. Um, I know some people that will clean every day. Between my husband and I, we probably choose that with a cleaner every fortnight. So again, it's about what you choose and what's that minimum viable task. So you hear about, you know, minimum viable product, MVP. Well, I'm actually going to come up with a term here, minimum viable task, and just something to just to ponder. Uh, and, you know, as we go through today, just think about what's the minimum thing. And so as you're stressing out about the, the mental load and, you know, what you need to be doing, yes, it is stressful. But actually think about what is the minimum thing. So if you're really stressed at work, there's lots going on. I know at the moment we're about to head into birthday crazy season. We've got three birthdays in three weeks. They're literally a week apart and it's just going to be crazy town. So for me, it's going to be at times, what's the minimum viable task that needs to happen to keep this house functioning and also keep us half sane, do birthdays and uh, make sure we're all fit. So just something I wanted to, uh, you know, think about and ponder um, at the start here. I wanted to get back to the definition of mental load. So just wanted to also uh, refer to it, you know, and remind you that the mental load actually has no boundaries. There's no start, there's no stop, and it never ends. And it's invisible. We all have referred to that the, the open tabs, just like on a, say, a Google Chrome browser, about all the tabs open in a mother's mind. It's invisible. We can't see it. We can't necessarily see all those things that are clocking over in our head. Like I even had it this week that it was the dentist uh, today at uh, my son's kinder and I had to sign a form. It was like I'm signing forms yesterday morning quickly before the boys are going off to kinder and just because I thought about it. And, and then today I picked up my son and then the childcare uh, educator then said, oh, that's right, the dentist really well went really well. And I could completely forgotten because I was thinking about work and focused on getting home for dinner. And I was like, oh my goodness, I completely forgot. And the dentist was a massive deal. It went well, but things haven't gone so well in the past. So I was like, oh my goodness. But it's just like that mental load and sometimes like information in, information out. But it's exhausting, but it has no boundaries. It doesn't mean that, right, it starts to turn on at 9 a.m. and it turns off at 5 p.m. Certainly not. It's there from the moment pretty much you wake up to the moment and even after you go to sleep. Sometimes you even dream about this stuff. And so there's no boundaries. So that's where that exhaustion can come from. And just some facts as well. Women spend approximately nine hours a week more than men on unpaid work. And care. So it's approximately 31.6 hours for women and 22.4 hours for men. But also, interestingly, only one in 20 men take parental leave. And it's one of those things that when you hear about men taking parental leave, they instantly go, oh my goodness, I didn't realize all those little things that needed to be done. And then they have this new appreciation. Then also, the gender equality conversation starts to flip because they're like, wow, I real, I get it. 
And it's sometimes just like in our life, in work situations, you don't understand anything until you walk in that person's shoes. It's just like fathers. The more that they then can walk in your shoes, they get it. Um, I've also experienced this a little bit when I have traveled uh, with with work, um, particularly when I've, I went away last year for eight nights overseas. My husband had to do everything. And look, he ran it as a well-oiled machine. Um, sometimes he jokes, you know, you should travel more with work because of how everything efficiently runs and also the boys pay attention. But it's also one of those things that's like he I think he at times realizes, wow, I have to think about it all as well. So that also puts him into into those shoes. So it's it's interesting. But, you know, again, it's about the mental load. How can you, you know, help your partner walk a day in your shoes? I've also been away a couple of times on a girls weekend and I have to say that that also helps. And they're like, oh, my goodness, it's exhausting. And you, sometimes you hear from dads if they have to look after kids you know, the whole day solo, they're like, oh my God, I'm exhausted. And, and then the mum turns around and go, well, I deal with this all the time. But again, it's just putting themselves into, into those shoes. So that's where parental leave does actually help uh, with sharing of the mental load and things like that. But look, not all fathers can take it. And I know my husband wasn't able to take it. Uh, so it's, you know, can you find other situations to do that? But definitely having the conversations um, are there and just putting putting them into those situations as well hey taking two of us to tango to um, create a baby so let's see what happens you know in the rest of life now where does it all start from and that's what I'm thinking I also wanted to reflect on well where does the mental load come from it's not like it just suddenly appears and the more that you start to reflect on it and and some of the research also supports this as well is that the gender norms start pretty much from before you're even born. It's about the expectations about what's done and even the references and the terminologies that we have between boys and girls. And you can even see this in families where there is um, two different genders about the boy and the girl tasks. And it's very, uh, I think there's different research around there that actually, uh, you know, even the gender pay gap starts from the moment that children are given pocket money generally the the boy in the past has been given more pocket money because it's seen as those tasks are worth more compared to say for example the gardening or the mowing compared to the female tasks that might be say some cleaning or something like that so it's what we do and what we expect of those tasks so it might be the, the boys are more the outdoor tasks so the girls are in the indoor tasks and that's where some of these gender norms also start from. It's also about the role modeling, about what have they seen from their parents before them of, you know, has the, you know, be it a stay-at-home mom or has it just been, you know, with the dad being the, the primary breadwinner, has the dad helped, say, maybe out in the kitchen or doing the washing and things like that. These, uh, you know, role models then do have an influence on our lives, rightly or wrongly. Um, and so it's also about what our children are seeing as, as the norm. And so the more that we can start to debunk that, that and these myths, it will also then have an influence on how our children are seeing it. I even, in terms of gender norms, my husband and I, with our first um, child, we found out what the gender was. And so many people were saying, oh, do you know what you're having? And we pretended that we didn't know what we were having. 
meanwhile we knew that, um, that we we're having a boy but one of the key reasons why we didn't want people to know what the gender was is because we didn't want a wardrobe full of just blue clothes instead we got yellows and grays which is completely fine really loved it and so but then it was interesting as well next time around we said yeah we're having a boy so of course we got blue blue boy clothes and as if you if you're listening to this and a mother of boys there aren't a lot of colored you know choices for boys it's usually greens and grays and blues um so it's just it really comes back to when you're thinking about the mental load Often these are societal norms, societal um, influences um, that are there. And it's some of the, the patriarchal systems that have just been inherent. I'm not trying to make an excuse, but I'm also trying to highlight where some of this comes from. And at times as well, just like when we're parenting our children, if we're understanding the root cause, we can then probably start to do something about it. So think about your own situation. You know, if you're frustrated with your partner for not doing something, think about as well what have been his role models, maybe even as well what um, around his friends, are they all very similar? And I know even from personal experience that if my husband has heard someone else say, oh, I do this, and he's like, oh, okay. And it's that peer pressure of, well, they do something, maybe I might be able to do it as well. Or he's reflective saying, well, I do this. And he's then also quite proud that he may be so active of picking up kids and things like that from childcare. So when you think about it as well, as I said, look at where their, their influences are coming from. And if they have had more of those traditional ways of the father being a little bit more hands off, maybe have the conversation, point it out uh, and see how that goes. And then they can reflect on, uh, you know, did they like that as a child? Did they wish their father, you know, maybe cooked a, a meal or, or something like that? So just have that kind of conversation about where does it even come from? Now, when we're talking about the mental load, it's also a good way to and a good opportunity to reflect on, but what are the impacts? We know that it's exhausting and things like that. But there are also some significant impacts that are actually happening. And then it is reported as well. It's mental load does take a huge impact, particularly on mothers. For example, the burnout, the stress and the anxiety. This was exacerbated during the pandemic. But I don't know about you, but it definitely hasn't eased off after we've been let out of lockdown here in Melbourne. The stress of, you know, even getting back into society and, and getting into engaging with people again was quite high. Also the stress of getting COVID and, and the like, but also then the burnout because you've suddenly got flexible work, office, home and kids, childcare, and your life then comes, you know, back into full circle again. And the rates of burnout are being reported that it hasn't actually got less, if anything, since the pandemic. It's only increased as well. But then also what are the other impacts is also then culturally the gender equality and then the more as well that we can share at home, the impact that this then also has on our workplaces. There's um, a new study uh, that's just been released by the Motherly 
uh, group. They're a, uh, it's a website in the US. Really interesting. Always, always good to check out Motherly. I'm sure if you follow them on Instagram you probably, or Facebook, you've probably seen one of their videos. They've recently released their annual State of Motherhood report. And Jill Kozil, the CEO and co-founder, states that her hope that the data in the report arms mothers and their allies to advocate for change at the corporate and government level. And she also said that because mothers are the foundation of our society, their challenges are collective societal challenges and must be addressed to ensure future success of our country. Yes, I completely agree. I think this is so true. But what was interesting in some of the research is that nearly half with 46% of mothers currently seeking therapy, 56% of mums report they are primary, primarily responsible for the duties of running a household and caring for children. And interestingly as well, according to the study, mothers are prioritizing sleep over sexy time with or catching up with friends. Even more than that, 78% of mums admit to sacrificing sleep to taking care of their families. This is huge and it's no wonder they're burning out and getting so exhausted. And I'm sure that you can relate to this of staying up late to do something to help with the kids. Now, it's one of those things that what can we do? Where do we go from here? Yes, we know it's exhausting. And in some of my thoughts around this are, is that the, when we talk about the mental load, it's often referred to as a female topic. But I think this also just highlights the issue and that the role that this has on gender equality. The more that we think that the mental load is just a mum's topic, the more we're just like, all right, it's really not. It should also be both a male and a female or both parents topic that we also need to talk about. The more that we can actually get males, particularly fathers, to share the mental load will actually then help, you know, really equality and not only equality at home, but certainly equality in the workplace. And I'm a massive believer that the mental load and caring should be shared between both parents. I know that it's not always possible, particularly say with shift work, fly in, fly out, but where possible that we need to see what equality and caring can be shared between the two parents. And there's statistics and data to back this up. And it's not just should be put all upon the mother's caring responsibilities about running a household and having a job. You know, she women need the support of her partner or her husband Uh, with a village around them to help her have a career and to thrive for example in my village we've got childcare, cleaners friends grandparents uh, that are just a few of the key stakeholders that we have within our village that help both my husband and I fulfill you know careers We've got both senior positions in our respective organizations and we both need to and we both want to support each other to fulfill our careers and that we know that we're much better people when we're enjoying our when enjoying our job, we're also then giving enjoying our, our home life as well. But also with this, the patriarchal systems need and should have to change. And we also need to change the mindset and behaviors in order to create the general, generational change. Just like what I was saying before about the chores that we're giving, you know, even 
boys versus girls and um, and even seeing what they're seeing around role modeling. And if we want and we also need more women in manage, managerial and leadership positions, we need women and we're sorry, we need to support women to fulfill this and also set them up for success. I have read too many media headlines that have said uh, about how women have left their roles because of the mental load and the emotional labor that is just taking the toll on them. But you never and you very rarely hear the same headline for fathers. So why is that? It's because generally then that mental load hasn't been shared. And so the more that we can do that, the more that we can elevate and support working mums, the better. And that they then can have a fulfilling career and also still be a mum and not feel that guilt. Yes, we'll feel guilt. We will feel it probably more so than our husbands and the fathers. But the more that they can actually have the village around them by sharing the mental load, it'll have a huge impact. And, you know, sharing the mental load at home is a massive contributor to this, especially when traditional traditionally it was the male with the leader and that the home uh, the woman was at home supporting her husband the times have changed where you know a good portion um, i think it's like three quarters of families these days have both the mother and the father working and so rightly we need to support both the mother and the father to have their careers and so this is through supporting each other you know it's a team approach it's not just I, there's no I in mum, there's no I in dad, we need to work as a team and rebalancing the roles and responsibilities. Definitely communication is absolutely critical, just like in any part of our lives, communication is critical. Alignment and also regular rebalancing of tasks is needed from both parties to support one another's careers. So what's the answer? I'm really sorry to say that I actually don't have an answer. It's not a one size fits all, but we can look at this from a few different angles. But it's also important to remember that you need to do what is best for you and your family. As I said at the start, it's not what works for me and I can give you all the strategies in the world to support you, but it's ultimately up to doing what's best for you and your family and your situation. And as I said, things change maybe hour to hour, week to week and and everything like that. But having those conversations definitely is key and also the first step. But also looking at this as not a female topic, looking at and reframing it as a parenting topic and also even just as a relationship topic about who's doing what. I know when my husband and I, we first moved in together, was before we had kids, even before we were married, um, we bought a house and, you know, it was – he pretty much said to me, I don't like the way that you do washing and the timing of it. I had very much a just-in-time approach. And he's like, right, I'm going to do all the washing. And I was like, okay, that's fine. Not a problem. And then we used to do the shopping, the grocery shopping together until we had kids. And so it was one of those things that he was like, right, I'm doing it. And I was perfectly fine with it. So when we're looking at the mental load, I'd also encourage you to look at some key areas. Look at your home. Look at even your your company or your organization that you work for and even some of those um, uh, gender norms, the gender stereotypes, um, and then what needs to change. Look at also your village and certainly ask for help. It's a strength, not a weakness to ask for help. And also look at what strategies you can use to help. And I'll include some strategies here 
it's definitely just going to be a really short list but think about what you can do um, and I'll also be sharing some more on Instagram um, and I've also got um, I've actually done some masterclasses in the Working Mama Village around the mental load um, and also we've done a great uh, masterclass inside the Master Village, uh, Working Mama Village uh, with life in, admin life hacks. So the ladies from there and they've also done a podcast as well. But the masterclass inside the village definitely goes into way more detail. Um, so if you're a member, uh, check it out. But if you want to be a member, you're more than welcome. Um, so I just quickly around the organization, I think organizations also have a role to play in supporting the mental load. Um, definitely around working fathers on taking caring and taking on caring responsibilities. And they also don't have to feel the pressure about being seen to promote workplace equality and work flexible work conditions work for both genders that support the sharing of the load. Or if you need to have days in the office, try to coordinate then that with your home task as, as well. For example, I try to work uh, in the office on the days that my husband is home so then we have it that whoever's working from home, they're generally responsible for cooking and the other person who's in the office is then responsible for childcare pickup. And it generally works most of the time unless I get shocking traffic on the freeway or like today, we're both in the office and it's just crazy town. Um, we did a slow cook, which from a meal planning perspective worked well. So we got home, slow cookers happened. We had a very nice um you know, slow cook lamb, um, shoulder. And then of course you need to marinate with that with wine. So of course, red wine as well on a hump day. Great day. Um, and you know, but it also requires some planning and, and leading to leave work on time. But in a work sense, women are often the ones as well, cleaning up after an event and doing all the planning activities. Don't be afraid to call it out and ask for help because often the men won't even realize until it's right in front of them. Now as well, another um, strategy and an element to consider around the mental load is about returning to work after maternity leave. And I would say this is the most critical conversation you could have with your partner just before you go back to work. And it's around how you plan to share the load. And what I've also got is, and I've also shared, I'll put this in the show notes, I've actually got a mental load checklist and you can do this at any time. I certainly suggest to do this a couple of times a year just to reevaluate how things are going and, you know, do you need to stop doing something, start doing something or, or stop or potentially outsource. And so with this, before you're returning back into work after mat leave, have the conversation because generally what happens on mat leave, you go on mat leave, you've got your tasks often before you have kids. But when you go on mat leave, you may start doing some, some tasks that your husband may have done in the past. And then when you go back to work, you don't necessarily always, and what um, the reports say is that you don't necessarily always drop those tasks. So instead, you go back to work, your load is huge. You've got your normal, you've got your job, then you've got the, the mother just general mother load and, and thoughts that go around about the kids and then you've got those then those extra tasks that you've taken on while you've been on mat leave because you're like oh look I'm I'm doing it it's okay I'm around but when you go back to work no 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 you don't have that time so that's where you need to have the conversation with your partner to say hey I don't need to do all this I can't do it all how are we going to do this 
And that's a really good opportunity to do it. And yes, there might be some discussion that of like, well, you might be working part-time, I'm working full-time and there we go. But still have the conversation, try and keep it as fact-based as possible. And it might be a conversation of, look, the days that I'm working, you know, that's that we really need to work. Maybe the days that you're, um, you know, you have more uh, mothering um, responsibilities and, and caring responsibilities. I would say, you know, I don't like to say your day off because it's, geez, working in the office is so much easier than being a mum. That's just my personal view. Um, I'm way more exhausted at the end of my um, mummy and the boys days. But it's one of those things, you know, think about, you know, okay, I might be able to run that errand on that day. But when it's like maybe those days where, you know, we need to work together a lot more. So trying to have a fact-based discussion. And when you're having these conversations about who's doing what, it's also about when you're in both a good frame of mind, when the kids aren't around and trying to keep as much emotion out of it as possible. So as I said, what can we do about it? You know, there's a work element, there's a return to work component, the family, the village, and it's certainly not a one size works works well, but also, you know, help set the foundation by identifying what's most important for you and your and your family and making the mental load visible to your village, uh, particularly your partner or your key support. So as I said, I've created a mental load three-step process to help with making this more visible between you and your partner. And so, you know, have a, have a, have a think about it. I'll include it in the show notes and it's a free download for you. I know that some families actually visibly put up some key tasks, even those minimum viable tasks, as I spoke about earlier, uh, about to help keep the household running. And it's also as, you know, the children get older, they've got their chores, they've got things that they need to be doing and keeping it clear and transparent for everyone. So, you know, in a work sense, it's often if we can't measure it, sometimes you can't charge for it. So it's also one of those things from a mental load perspective. The more that you can make it quantifiable, you can make it a little bit more visible visible and measurable, it's going to be easier. And what our tolerance level and what we are going to be able to manage um, is going to be different. For example, my husband and I pay for a cleaner and I know that it's not amazing. Um, but overall, the basic cleaning's done. And at the flip side of that, my brother-in-law is a, a clean freak. He's so clean and um, and he doesn't get a cleaner. He does all the cleaning. Um, but you know what? My husband and I have clearly just got lower standards, and but we prioritize and place more priority on other things like family time and, and things like that. I hate cleaning the bathrooms. So it's one of those things about, well, what's your tolerance? And as I said, what's your minimum viable tasks that you're, you're willing to put up and, and actually do the household? But also remember as well that it's about not necessarily always being 50-50, but doing what works. And it definitely ebbs and flows depending on work commitments and what you have on for that week. But it's also really important that you both feel seen and heard and that the tasks are agreed by both parties. And it's really not fun and there's definitely a lot of resentment when you feel like you're doing 95% of the work with little or no support. And you're thinking, you know, if you put this in a work situation, if this was happening at work, we'd speak up. So that's what we need to do at home. And it's often our partners unaware of how we're feeling or even the tasks that just magically go on in the background. 
So that's where the more that you can visually put it out there, make them, you know, seen and heard, right? I'm doing this and that. And as, you know, as much time, sometimes you're like, oh my goodness, I could do this in half the time. But you're just going to have to sit there, take a few deep breaths and just suck it up. Just remember as well, sometimes, even if it comes down to cooking, the first, you know, we don't, we didn't know how to cook at the start either. The more that we do it, the better we get. So it's just like, you know, hopefully with your partner, the more that they do a particular task, the better they get. And if they're deliberately doing it a really crappy job, call them out on it um, and then just have a conversation. And there might be some things that like you're frustrating them on. So at least have that conversation. I know my husband often, you know, comments to me that I could definitely be cleaner. Um, but it's just my, I've got my priorities in, in other areas. Um, and we often do. Look, as I said, work whatever works for best for you and your family. Um, so, yeah, it's one of those things that the mental load is exhausting. It's difficult. And look, there's different ways to do it. You know, there's strategies about outsourcing, about, you know, dividing um, tasks and things like that around the house. So really check out my mental load checklist because it goes through all that. But I just wanted to, as I said in this episode, just really unpack a little bit more about the mental load. It's not really to say this is what you need to do, but more about just considering what works for you. Um, Also reflecting and just writing down and writing as a task list of, okay, this is everything that I feel like I'm doing and I'm just exhausted by maybe X, Y, Z. And then reflecting as well on, well, what can I do about that? Can you outsource it? Um, If you hate going to the grocery shops, for example, or you find it really stressful with kids, I know for me, I do. Um, You know, can you do, you know, online delivery of shopping? But then I'm my own worst enemy in that situation that is I like to be able to pick and choose some things, particularly the fruit and veg um, and the meat. So it's just one of those things about what, as a, uh, you know, what is that minimum viable task that is to help your family run and then, you know, identify them what's going to level up from that. And yeah, there's, there's different strategies, as I said, but really at the end of the day, it's that conversation, what's working for you. Um, if you're trying to work it out as well with your partner, maybe journal it before, get your thoughts out on paper, um, have a, you know, do, do that stock uh, and checklist of like, right, this is what's also really annoying me, maybe that you don't enjoy doing and, what, and, and have that review. So love to hear your thoughts on, on all this. And it's a topic that I find really interesting. And the more that I've really reflected on the mental load it's also then having um, a huge impact on uh, you know gender equality gender pay gaps so the more that we can actually get the mental load more balanced uh, and shared at home and even the perception that it's shared at home and you're feeling equitable at home then that's actually going to have a massive ripple effect into the workplace well that's my thought anyway so love to hear your thoughts as always if you have enjoyed this i would love for you to leave a rating or review um i'm going to be running a promotion um on the working mama village in the next couple of weeks so keep an eye out for that and also a free masterclass. and coming in the next couple of months i'm also going to be reopening the doors and because I've completely changed the program around for the return for work program to really beef it up and 
and um, going to be targeting organizations on how they can support women in their return to work. So love to, if you've got any questions, love to have a chat, um, feel free to have a Zoom call. And thank you very much that everyone to, that has been recently participating in my Instagram stories, asking a few different questions um, and, you know, definitely feedback around short programs and, and that. So it's all in the pipeworks. So I can't wait to bring it to you. But I just want to say thank you so much for listening and love to hear your thoughts and takeaways um, on this episode. As always, give a rating and review. That would be amazing. And until next time, I hope you have an amazing day. Catch you later. Thank you for listening to the Working Mama podcast. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast catch-up. Please also feel free to contact me on any of the Working Mama social channels. Remember, Mama is M-U-M-M-A or website www.workingmama.com.au. I would appreciate you to share this podcast with friends and colleagues, especially those that are parents managing the juggle. And I would really appreciate if you had to take the time out to leave a review of the podcast. Thank you and see you next time. Have a great week.